yes, that is a Shakespeare line. Get thee to a nunnery. I apologize. That is a word that people use. But he actually, uh, the translation of that line is get thee to the nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Trzeba by nie mądry przemoc ty Czasem słowik albo księżyc komuś pomógł Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 314 with our review of Ida. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. <laughs> no, <laughs> there is no Carson Patrick today. I'm Stephen Miller. Oh, Stephen. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue of the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. As we said before, um, A, Carson, well, we didn't say it before, but Carson's not with us. He'll be back next week. Um, but we are continuing our trend of VOD releases. Uh, in the feed before this episode, there was a review of The Congress, which is available on iTunes right now and probably lots of all other channels. And uh, this right now, we are talking about the film Ida, which this is the official like regular digital release, right? This isn't like one of those day and date releases, theaters and digital. This is like equivalent to the D- DVD release. Is that correct? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think it is. But I don't think it ever made... If it was ever in theaters in the U.S. beyond the festival circuit, then I certainly didn't see it. Like, like it must have been New York and L.A. only, if oh, yeah. at all. Um, yeah, because technically the date on IMDb for this is 2013, which means yeah. that's probably when it first hit the festival circuit. Um, but then it's May of 2014? I don't know. I, I, for all intents and purposes, like most human beings couldn't see this movie till till this week. Yeah, but now it's now it's obviously available but also by the way reminds me um i like literally a couple days after we posted our review of frank frank appeared on itunes for vod Um, Mm -hmm. so like if you listen to that review and you want to check it out and it's not playing anywhere near you you can go right now and rent that on vod so Mm -hmm. just just a little which is crazy i i feel like more people are adopting this vod immediately type of model because i i was looking at itunes new releases and there are so many things that I saw in theaters in the last like month or two that are already on VOD. Yeah, and and some some of them are like you can rent it on VOD now, but you can't buy it yet until mm-hmm. like a certain date and things like that. But yeah, I mean, I, I personally love this, being that I live in an area which doesn't always get these limited releases. I mean, if 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 I can drive there, I would prefer to see this in or any movie in a normal theater. But like, mm-hmm. given that I can't half the time. Uh, these things coming out on VOD are awesome. So, yeah, and I'm I'm just happy that it's let us weather the August September storm of of movie <laughs> that, releases. That is true. So, as we are continuing to weather the storm, this is actually this is a film that uh, I really didn't know anything about until um, you, Stephen, suggested that we throw this on the docket for this week. Um, you've been hearing good buzz about this film, apparently. Yeah, I am. Um, so I also didn't know much about it. I knew I knew it was a Polish film. I knew that um, either film spotting or slash film or both had multiple people listed in their favorites of 2014 so far. Okay. Uh, so it's it's a movie that I had heard mentioned over and over again with uh, with some buzz, but definitely I knew nothing about it except for it was black and white and Polish. And 
four by three aspect ratio <laughs> yes four four by three aspect ratio <laughs> um but yeah so uh as you know as we were kind of just like figuring out what we we're gonna do anytime somebody throws out a suggestion like hey i've heard some buzz let's check this out um i think i think we're we're usually game for that sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah i like i like an excuse i kind of have a list right now my itunes wish list of 2014 alone is getting up to like 20 or 30 movies that i feel like it's on my list of things that I should have seen by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, so I'm always happy to chip away at that. And if we can do that instead of watching like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, then more <laughs> it's always than, a good thing. I'm more than game. Yeah, I, I have a few. I have a few things on my list that like I would like to hit too, and I think would actually be fun to talk about. But it's always like looking for when the relevance is there. Like even even the Congress is is old enough that um, we probably didn't need to do a review of it. Yeah. Um, but it was a weird enough concept that I felt it would be interesting to talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, uh, Ida had, had just come out this week, right? Yeah. So Ida should be very, very relevant. I don't think 99% of people were able to watch it before this week. Yeah. Well, I don't know that we are going to do justice to those <laughs> 99% of people uh, or 97 or whatever you said. Um, mm. But we can certainly try. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, what do you say? We take a listen to the trailer for... I, eh. Ida. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I, I was wondering. I was like, I can play the trailer, but it's not going to be in English. So. Oh, is there? Oh, yeah, because subtitles. Yeah, so I don't... Um, I guess you could... Maybe you do it and we read the dubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, that... <laughs> that was... I, I, okay, so I, I will say. So, um, <laughs> freaking subtitles in my life so w- w- when we reviewed the film starred up right mm-hmm. um you know we you know, i had to turn on subtitles to help me but i te- i wasn't turning on subtitles i was turning on closed captioning so it was weird re- reading like doors shutting yeah, yeah water dribbling and like weird stage direction and crap like that um but for this film uh, you know it, it was actual honest to god subtitles but when the movie started the subtitles didn't kick in so it starts in like the <laughs> the, the church the nunnery whatever whatever it's called that convent <laughs> the convent there you go <laughs> so it starts in the convent and like they're singing and like there's no subtitles for what they're singing um so i'm just like well you know what maybe it doesn't matter it's just like polish nun whatever music that's cool like i don't care but then they started talking i'm like god damn it and i had to, like flip over turn on the subtitles because they weren't on by default rewind to make sure i didn't miss anything mm-hmm. but anyway so i'm watching it in the early morning so i didn't have it up too loud in my room um but like there's parts where like somebody's playing a saxophone loud as hell so i'm like turning it down but then the speaking mm-hmm. parts where i'm turning it up and i'm reading it so i don't really need the volume up that much but like the way this film was shot you're not always visually looking at the dialogue that's being spoken. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes you're hearing speaking but not watching the lips move of a particular person, even though they are delivering the lines, but in the scene we're about to cut to. So, there was some confusion sometimes for me. As, mm-hmm. Like, I had to wait till this, like, the second half of the subtitled sentence came up before I could interpret who was speaking that line. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, that was occasionally the case for me as well. <laughs> I did want to shove in, by the way, that I think nunnery is what people in startup would call something that's like frivolous or stupid. Like, oh, that's just a bunch of nunnery. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stephen. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I let you finish your thought before I <laughs> jumped in with it. Oh, that's a bunch of nunnery, ain't it? <laughs> 
All right. Well, I'm going to play something right yeah, now. I think the trailer, even if you don't, I don't know. It might I, give I, you the emotion of what's happening. There's got to be at least like music playing and I don't know. It, it yeah. might be enough. And I'm sure it's probably about half as long as it, like it'll probably be like a minute and a half trailer instead of like a two minute and a half trailer. Yeah. So I'm just going to play it. It's playing now. So mm-hmm. or it's about to start right yeah. now. <laughs> Nazywa się Wanda Gruz. To jest jedyna siostry prawna. Powinna ją siostra poznać, zanim złoży śluby. Nazywasz się Ida Levenstein. Nie powiedziało ci przez tyle lat. W tym domu kiedyś mieszkała nasza rodzina. Tu nie mieszkali żadni Żydzi. Oboje wiemy, do kogo należą ten dom. No i co tu robisz? Jak zginęli? All right, so you just listened to the non-English trailer for <laughs> I almost called it the nunnery. <laughs> Get thee to a nunnery. Oh, I think that's actually a real word. I think Shakespeare said that. Okay, so... Yes, that is a Shakespeare line, get thee to a nunnery. I apologize, that is a word that people use. Yes, (laughs) but he actually, uh, the translation of that line is, get thee to the nonsense. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But anyways, so that was the trailer for Ida. And basically, as we said, there's a young girl who is about to take her vows as a nun. And uh, her, you know, (laughs) mother superior chick... (laughs) You can tell I know all about the clock. Um, But uh, she says that, you know, before you take these vows, you should go off and visit your family and go meet with them because that's, I guess, something you should do before you take vows. And uh, she goes off and meets her aunt and uh, finds out some possibly interesting things about her history and her family and uh, where she comes from. So, Stephen... Did this film live up to the uh, the positive buzz that you had heard surrounding it? Yeah, so it's um, I want to start by saying like this is a very quiet, subtle film. I, I imagine even just the uh, even just the trailer was probably enough to give that away, even if you were just listening to it. <laughs> um, and and so in in these events, it's it's honestly it's hard to know what i would think if i were watching a movie from scratch without my like good film or foreign film lens on yeah um because from the moment i'm 
sitting there, I'm analyzing shot by shot. And I'm in this mindset where I think like, this is something I should keep an eye on. Um, And so I can't really take off that cap. (laughs) But, but if I, if I try to imagine what would, what would have drawn me to this movie if there had been no buzz about it, and I just happened to walk into a theater, um, I think the the shot by shot framing in this movie was really interesting and like gorgeous uh, in my mind. I thought that I I don't know. There's something that the director does in in every shot where there's like a foreground background thing with some object obstructing like half of the view. Yeah. Uh, where the people it'll be a wide shot where the people are far behind and then there will be like an archway or even a couple dancing uh, right in front of the camera where there's this, uh, I, I don't know, there's this very interesting use of space in it, which I think made made the movie feel more more small, <laughs> more small to me than it otherwise would have. Well, um, that could also be the aspect ratio. <laughs> yeah, it could, it could also be the aspect there, ratio. Like there, there's a scene where she goes to a, a priest and asks for a place to stay for, you know, a temporary time. And mm-hmm. the way that shot, the way that shot is framed it looks like he just put her in the hallway outside his bedroom <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> because you see the door like you can't see any space to the side mm-hmm. and like i it literally took me out of the scene because i was like is she just in a hallway i kept waiting for her to move past the left edge of the frame to prove <laughs> that there was actually space there and that it yeah. wasn't just a wall <laughs> yeah but I, I i thought that was intentional it was everything felt very like uh, confined <laughs> yeah in 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 this movie you might um, say that growing up in a convent she had a narrow view of the world yes. and that the film itself is actually viewing the world from her point of view black mm-hmm. and white and very narrowly I, I also think a big thing that would have struck me is the main actress there's something very like dark and magnetic about her i mean she, she spends most of the movie staring I, th- yeah. I think that's fair to say and there's something very like heavy in that stare like she's a blank a blank slate that's been uh, raised up in this world and it, it's it's also too like because it's in black and white with the way the contrast is like there's no like difference between the color and the pupil of the eye yeah. like it's all just one solid void of like darkness and i think that helps lead yeah. to that intense kind of blank mysterious stare yeah definitely and in general i mean i think the the black and white in this movie is done very well like the uh it, it's kind of rare to see a movie in black and white these days i think francis ha is probably the last one i saw yeah that uh that did the, if you ignore sin city which i prefer to <laughs> <laughs> as do i <laughs> but the the way these things are composited where you have like you know like like the iris just seems pure black uh, and characters are moving in and out of shadows uh, it it all is very is very you said the irish <laughs> yeah the irish <laughs> you know when uh when well, martin mcdonough shows yeah, up i was gonna say i thought you were talking about the humor in the film the irish is just very black yeah <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. no the chimney sweep the irish chimney sweep in this movie he gets yeah. covered in a no uh, but anyway um <laughs> well what was i saying Th- this is a very it's a very quiet personal movie i mean i think I don't think there is such a thing as spoilers, really, <laughs> in a film like this. Um, but it is about a girl whose parents, you know, she's a Polish Jew around probably like 1960 or something. And she's learning what happened to her parents. So I, I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that, like, this is a Holocaust-y movie. 
Yeah. Uh, like it's go- well, it's going to touch on those themes. The the one thing that I was a little confused about is like when when the reveal comes to her that she is of Jewish descent, that mm-hmm. doesn't seem like there's no denial. There's no like like oh my god. There's no really anything from her. She's just like oh, oh I guess I'm a Jew now. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, I, it was. Yeah, I was I was a little confused by that. And, and that was part of this. Uh, her character is such a like blank slate that's just absorbing things yeah. that you really, it was hard to tell from moment to moment what her reactions were. Like there's, there's a few parts in the film where she breaks, uh, but for the most part, she's just standing there wide eyed, like kind of a little kid who's just absorbing information from the, the people around her who actually feel things. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so she, she learns that she is of Jewish descent and she goes off to find her parents or what happened to her? Yeah, parents. what happened to them? Um, and in a, I feel like in most movie treatments of the Holocaust, you get very grand melodrama at these things. Usually, usually when it's an outsider perspective, like there's going to be some like a a grand a grand confession and big tears and like a crushing realization and some kind of stock footage of of concentration camps. I I don't know. Like it's going to be very um heavy-handed yeah and it's dealing with it and it might be because this is more of a personal film like i don't know anything about uh the director from the director's name it sounds like he is a polish person of jewish descent um and i know in the holocaust like 90 percent of all jewish people in poland were killed it was like by far the most hard-hitting of all the places yeah um so there's some there's something to it where it's much more just about about her learning that there is this dark sad world out there and and trying to come to terms with who she is like is she going to continue to be this Polish Christian who hides herself away or is she going to see the world for all like the highs and lows that are in it um and and the fact that it was so like quiet and non-heavy-handed about it definitely made me appreciate the film I won't say it I, I would say it pulled me in in the sense that the filmmaking was very like like the shots were fairly surprising uh, and the way it built an atmosphere was very cool. But I wouldn't say it's something that if I watched it, I would like leave the theater raving that everyone needs to go out and check it out. Yeah. It's like it, it has a sort of quietness to it. That's a very it's a very nice treatment of the issue. Uh in the sense that it's very, very personal and it gives you kind of a perspective you wouldn't have normally seen. But it's hard It's hard for me to say if I weren't viewing it through the lens of this is a foreign film and I won't completely understand where it's coming from, how I would feel about the way this movie builds the story together. Um, I, I don't know. How did you feel about it? Was it polarizing for you? It was polishizing Pol- for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See, that was P-O-L-E, polarizing. So we got the, we got the same joke. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I I was sort of able to escape that lens um, just because, I, I don't know, it, it's a weird way the, the film is set up because, you know, the point you were making about how, like, most of the time it would be, like, this big melodramatic thing, like, a lot of huge, grand, like, impactful, like, look at this tragedy tragedy type of thing. And, and the story we're getting through our main character is much simpler, much more uh, withdrawn from the direct influence of it and just kind of absorbing things and processing that. 
Um, mm. But the way the characters in the film are, are uh, I guess, the background of each individual character is so extreme mm-hmm. um, to me. Like, the, I mean... It's. I mean, I guess it's not extreme for the what happened to her parents to be a, the the thing in the context of the story. But like the fact that her aunt is this like you know this big prosecutor for um, the government that was like you know trying all these people for anti-socialist whatever. Like mm-hmm. there there's something like obviously that that aunt has been alive for a while post-war right for however mm-hmm. old that Ida is yeah i was trying to figure out she's probably got to be like early 20s or something like that for, for, for Ida herself Ida. yeah 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 I, I, I mean that's probably i i have no clue um but that seems good enough for me mm-hmm. um but to me it just seems weird that like that the aunt has waited this long to do any of this but like to do any of this investigating into mm-hmm. what happened to her sister um yeah. but i mean part of that is because her backstory she has regret related to the situation in which she left them but um it yeah i i don't i i did i, I got the sense that ida's presence was kind of reminding her of something that she had been shoving away <laughs> yeah, for I, a very I, long I, time cuz there is a scene in a bar where she's kind of saying as much yeah, towards I, the I, end as i was saying it i was starting to like because based on you know the photograph of the boy where he is like oh i had a brother and she's like no you were only child um if i take that into context and her spending time with mm-hmm. ida then there's some like transferal of significance that i would, yeah. I would assume would come about no, so. but, but still I, w- I would definitely say that the character motivations in this are very subdued like ida is of course the obvious example because for most of the movie she is just kind of walking around and asking questions but it's very rare that you feel like it's very rare that you feel like there is some kind of moderate person inside who is motivated to do x or y yeah Um, and it's weird too because like she so (laughs) i mean I'm i'm gonna like do some weird things here but um so in the hobbit right <laughs> wow okay <laughs> just, yeah just, just stick with me oh, yeah so, i'm there uh so bilbo is uh he is not an adventurer right like in the same sense that the dwarves and like everyone else is like it's it's crazy for him to be going along with them because he's just not cut out for that sort of thing but the, but and, and i'm talk, talking about the book not the movie um so in the book the story is being told from bilbo's point of view but he is constantly being like knocked unconscious and then sees the end of what just happened, right? So, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of things show up and start attacking everybody. He gets knocked out um, and then he wakes up and everyone's okay. That's, that's kind of like the repeated theme in that film or the, mm-hmm. in the book, right? Yeah. So in this, we sort of are seeing, it's almost like a similar thing, but instead of her getting knocked out, she goes like, I'm going to wait outside and she leaves and we don't get to see like, so if you, if you were just walking by and you saw Ida's aunt talking with people in a house, you'd be like, man, that lady's kind of like, she's kind of an asshole. Like Mm -hmm. why why is she being so mean to people? Um, So, but like in the context, you know why, (laughs) like, because it's pretty terrible things happened and like there's, yeah, yeah, it's not good. 
Um, but Ida is ex- she's coming with her to find the truth about what happened to the parents that she didn't know anything about a few days previously. But then she's constantly leaving during the scenes that would justify the behavior the aunt is going through. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of I don't know. There's something so like the aunt is going through her own arc, but we're not watching it happening. We're just seeing it after it happens. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. It, it was it was a weird choice to me to have Ida keep walking away from the events that were taking place, mm-hmm. and not like storming off for anybody who hasn't seen the film that's listening to my words right now. Like she just goes like, "Oh, I'm gonna be out here. You keep yeah, having it, the conversation." And it, it's kind of this decision to detach from the emotions of the film. Yeah. Uh, like where, where it could have turned into, you know, very clear drama and emotions at any point. And there are a few key scenes in the movie where characters do kind of unload everything. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, the director decides to keep, keep Ida and us who are following Ida most of the time in this kind of weird, this place where things are happening and they're not really resonating. It's just like, well, this this is how things are. And the moment I'm going to get the human element, then I'm going to leave leave and go outside instead. Yeah, which I, th- I think for me is ultimately kind of like I I because I'm viewing the film from Ida's point of view and she is super detached. It sort of detaches me from the significance of the events that are transpiring. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that was intentional um maybe not though and and i i think that ultimately um i mean you could say that ida grows a lot in the last like 15 minutes of the film mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me they're the 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 statements that are being made about like the causing of her growth seen like because you know she's she's grown up in a convent she hasn't even seen parts of the world that she doesn't even care about like there's a scene where they're driving in the car and her aunt says like have you ever had like you know evil thoughts about being carnal with a man or something like that and she's like no (laughs) and then she's like oh well you should try it before you do your vows Mm -hmm. um and i'm assuming in that context she was saying you should try thinking about it before you do your vows not actually try sleeping with a man yeah Um, yeah. though who knows her aunt could have been saying that too but i'm just (laughs) I'm just erring on the side of you should think about it in your head. Um, mm-hmm. So at the end of the film where like, you know, she's progressing on these things. Like I don't see the one-to-one between the events she half watched over the course of the film and mm-hmm. the sudden progression into reevaluating her stance on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think there's one event in particular that is what snaps her <laughs> in, into behaving. <laughs> oh, it snaps somebody. Yeah, yeah, it snaps somebody. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, so I feel like the the character. I mean, you know, she's coming from a convent. Yeah. And the whole way that so a she convent, got started up. Yeah, yeah, she got started up. Uh, but <laughs> oh, it's convict. Yeah, the the whole way. Uh, the whole way that the convent is kind of set up in this movie and in many movies is as a like a very quiet detached you know people are chanting and doing the uh what what are you, genuflecting uh you know making the cross motion and doing these kind of repetitive tasks where you you never get the sense that they feel what they're doing like yeah. like a convent does not look like a uh like a 
church in Georgia or something like singing <laughs> praises and dancing. It's it's very much just like a we believe this and this is this is what it is and we what we feel is irrelevant to it. Yeah. Um and so this whole life is supposed to be very insular, right? Of not of pushing away feelings and pushing away desires. Um so I can see why she would be so detached from what is going on. But I can't say I see why the transformation would be binary the way that it is. Yeah. Um, and do, do you also think that there's that there's a sense that the other women in the convent know she's of Jewish descent and somehow... I, like, I think so. I think that's supposed to be why they... Because she's about to decide to take her vows yeah. <laughs> and become, you know, a nun. I assume it's like an Orthodox nun or something. Yeah. Um, and before she does this... I imagine they think she in particular as a person of Jewish descent yeah. who has had much happen to her will want to know yeah, before you want to know her heritage be before she yeah before she <laughs> vows it away then she should know what her heritage is that she's kind of denouncing I yeah. mean cuz in in the sense as far as I could tell the uh, so the Christians are the ones who survived in Poland like that was the predominant religion and the effect of the Holocaust was to take away pretty much all Judaism <laughs> from the country. Yeah. Uh, so I, I did get the sense that the the sisters, the mother goose <laughs> in the convent, <laughs> um, was supposed to have have known about this and known like the significance of of taking a vow. Um, but it, it's unclear to what extent they knew what had happened, other than just knowing where she had come from in the most vague sense yeah because i mean there, there's the there's the part where she's asking why where she asked why did the fate of her family not happen to her and it's like well because you were such a young child nobody mm -hmm. would have known you were a jew yeah um so uh in 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 the one context she could have like pulled a shoshana thing from inglorious bastards and just like grown up as a french person or polish yeah. person or whatever um but I, I don't know, I got, I got like a weird sense anytime they showed her in the, um, in the convent that like, she was like, she had the persona of being like the, the way people looked at her in the few short scenes we saw them looking at her. I felt almost like she was the black sheep. Yeah. Even she was she definitely behaved... an other in, in the convent and yeah, in everything and, in the movie. And, and she seemed to be the well, the wellest behaved. Yeah. most well-behaved um person in the convent of the younger uh women so it, it 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 felt like i couldn't tell if it was like she was the she was the outcast because she was too good and like she she was like the you know, simon Pegg and hot fuzz like she made all the other police officers look bad mm -hmm. <laughs> or or if it was like more of a thing that like they all knew secretly that she yeah. was jewish or, and... or even if they didn't know that she was jewish it could be her personality like there are some other girls in the convent who I kind of remember them like smiling and laughing a little bit yeah. and you never get this sense from her. Like she seems like she lives in kind of a vacuum uh, yeah. where there, you know, there is nothing and I'm just doing what I'm called to do. And there, you could also make, I guess, partially the argument that um, the other girls, um, especially the ones that are getting ready to take their vows also all chose to leave something to be there and for Ida it was like literally like she, she's an orphan she didn't like choose to 
become a nun like mm-hmm. that got dropped upon her so there's this like you can almost argue there's less of a calling for her because the the what would be the calling for a normal girl became her salvation in that like mm-hmm. she had nothing else yeah it, exactly it, which goes back to the whole thing that her aunt was saying about um you know how how can you take these vows if you don't know what you're missing yeah yeah or yeah, it, I, it could also be that they know who her aunt is and that her aunt prosecuted the parents of a bunch of the other Polish girls. That, that is possible. Uh, yeah. Uh, so the big, one of the big parts in the movie that left me very questioning, and it's uh, it's hard to talk about this because it, it to the extent that spoilers can exist in this movie, this is a spoiler, um, but... When she learns the circumstances surrounding her parents' death, um, I was very unclear on the the motivations of the perpetrator. Yeah. Um, because in one sense, it's this, like, and, and part of that is just maybe I don't know the history enough to know, like, if people were under pressure uh, to do this. Uh, but there, But there's this sense that there's a family that wanted to help help her parents and then something happens that turns it and it i i don't know like i I could paint it as just being greedy like wanting their property but that doesn't seem to do justice to the behavior of the character well we we also find out over the course that there's the there's the well like getting to to i mean it's gonna be pretty spoilery but like yeah but it doesn't really matter i think yeah there's essentially two people two males who are quote-unquote heads of household in that house during the course of this time there's <laughs> the person who would be the grandpa um and then there's the one who would be the dad um mm-hmm. of any children who are born into that family um so we find out over the course of the film that the older of the two men did not commit the crime the younger of the two men did so i could see since that that man would have been since the one who actually did the crime would have been probably about Ida's age yeah. at that time when all mm-hmm. this happened, I could see a scenario in which the father was hiding, um, you know, hiding Jews, uh, but the son was really fearful that, well, A, may have actually bought in to the you know, anti-Semitism, mm-hmm. and two, would have feared for the family for if they got caught yeah uh, and, and the, the, the latter is the sense that i got because yeah. i did look up after and apparently there was an an edict in poland that said anyone caught harboring a jew everyone in the family would be put to death yeah uh, so it could be this sense of a person getting fearful at the last minute but still it's just the i don't know the behavior of killing versus just forcing them to leave is what i don't understand yeah Especially because there's at least one act of mercy that does occur in that moment, uh, which is why Ida still exists. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought that was so. That was so curious that I felt like it had to be grounded in some truth, <laughs> because otherwise I would not understand why characters would behave that way. Yeah. So I I don't know if that's like a phenomenon that was real, or. If it was just a narrative shortcut to have have a sympathetic villain, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was I was very curious about that moment. I actually had to rewind and watch it again because I didn't really 
I was trying to see if I could catch like the character admitting to any sort of motivation. Yeah, and and, and I think that's part of the problem too is that we we only get the story from detached people. Um, well, I guess in that context, we're finding it from the source to somebody mm-hmm. who's a lot less detached than Ida was. But oh no, was that revealed to Ida or to the aunt? <sighs> uh, I think both were standing there, but okay. I think to the aunt. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. Do you have, do you have any last uh, comments in the film, or should we just sort of just get to our final impressions? Um, I think. Yeah, I think we should. In the final impressions, I can make a few comments, but I don't think there's too much more to uh, to talk through. Yeah, I mean, we we are we did. I am. Do do you think her transition at the end of the film is warranted? Like also, it it is sort of told in somewhat a montage mm-hmm. type scene, so it like that could be over the course of several. Like I don't know. I felt first of all the aunt's actions. <laughs> yeah. I like I. Is it supposed to be that like she's been prolonged by this tortured memory of what happened? And she's been like, 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 a, yeah, it could be she's prolonged by this memory of what happened or by the knowledge that she is the harbinger of this information. And once she's able to pass it on, then then she's free to yeah. leave. Yeah. Yeah. We're not spoiling anything, of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, but I think it's OK to spoil. I did in, in that moment. I didn't. I didn't feel like she was a real character so much as like this is a dramatic arc that had to happen. Yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't as clear to me, and I don't know if part of that is just lost in translation, kind of, yeah. of like because one thing about watching a movie with subtitles is even if you are hearing their voice, like if you think of movies in English and the way people emphasize certain words and the meaning that that brings to them, yeah, it's like it's really hard to watch a movie in a language that is. It's so not English that you don't have even like a the correspondences of what word are they saying right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I think in general that makes that makes character actions feel less motivated than if I'm watching a movie in my own language. Do, do you? Um, this is just I mean, this, jumping off of what you just said, um, I have this problem all the time where, um, so you know, words in different languages are a different amount of syllables than they are in English. Duh, that mm-hmm. makes common sense. So sometimes. I and I'm not the quickest reader as we as I mentioned in our review of Startup how sometimes like it would go on to the next sentence before I had caught up to it um but sometimes I read a sentence twice when I'm watching something in a foreign language because I get to the end of the sentence before the sentence is finished being reading yeah. but then they take a breath and then continue the sentence so I think the next sentence has shown so I start reading and I'm like, oh crap that's the same sentence and then I like read a statement twice because the amount of words said to communicate one translated sentence is sometimes longer than what I see. Yeah, I do that too. And it isn't only because the languages are different. It's because the translator, usually these translations are very loose. Like they're not word for word at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that definitely happens to me. I have, I, I've gotten a little better at watching movies with subtitles because I've been doing it a bit more lately. Um, but in general, that is another problem I tend to have is first it requires so much more attention because I can't zone out like I need I need to be looking all yeah. the time and second it 
it can divert attention from the things I'm actually supposed to look at, like the faces of the character and the shot that's taking place. Yeah. Um, so that, that can definitely be a difficulty. I didn't have too much of a problem with this movie. Like, I thought the pace of the dialogue was was such that I could multitask. Yeah, I mean, like, for the most part, I didn't, I didn't have issues with the pacing in it. It was mostly just, like, who's speaking at any given point in time. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said at the top of the episode, yeah, like, when when it's showing two people driving silently in a car, but you can hear them already speaking, it's like until somebody, until, like, the aunt says the, the name Ida, or Ida, you know, says something religious, <laughs> like, sometimes <laughs> it's hard to, to know who's speaking. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so did you give it your rating yet? Oh, no. No, no, I didn't. Yeah. All right. So yeah, let, let's get to ratings then. So Stephen, if you're going to give this a must-see, reckon with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or must avoid, what would you give it? Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about this, because uh, it really depends on who you are. If, if you enjoy older movies, like like a Bergman movie or something like that. Like if you're cool with the kind of slow building, telling a kind of small story where it's all about the, all, all about the characters observing things, then I thought this was like really, really well done and you will enjoy it. There are certainly plenty of people I know who I would not recommend this movie to <laughs> because like, <laughs> like there's just, it, it, it takes a sort of like patience that is, it's rewarding if you enjoy this sort of thing, but it's not going to surprise and reward you if you don't already know that. I I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to say. It's like I it's like I'm reviewing a movie from the fifties or something. Like it's really di- <laughs> it's really really difficult for me to say. Uh, for me, I would give it a uh, a recommend with a caveat, where yeah. the recommend is I think there's a lot to like. Like it is rare. Usually, it's just like Wes Anderson or something where I'll notice the way that they frame a shot. Yeah. And the way that they film it. And in this movie, it was just throughout the whole thing. I mean, there are shadows being cast. There's there's like this very cool shot of looking out a kind of fogged up window as trees are passing that like, I, I don't know, there are things like that that are just really striking to me in the way that he makes use of space uh, and makes use of the camera. And I do think the story uh, as kind of reserved as it is, and it it tries not to be too emotional about it. I think it does tell tell an interesting story which gives a perspective on the holocaust that i hadn't seen before at least um so the caveat of course being the movie does require patience and it is not going to like make you stand up and cheer at the end like it doesn't have like a sweeping violin moment or uh it, it's not something that's the easiest to latch onto. yeah but de- definitely i think a rewarding experience if you if you think that putting in the effort will make you enjoy it, you probably are right. <laughs> I guess <laughs> is how I should say it. Um, if you if you think that you you would enjoy a quiet movie that takes focus, then I doubt I doubt you'll walk away being upset <laughs> with this one. Yeah, I I, I think uh, for me it's I think I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but I kind of feel like it, it's more interesting academically than it is interesting in a like purely enjoyment or entertainment i mean not that the subject matter should be enjoyable no no, but but you're you're right it's not like it's not like a fun time at the cinema or like a viscerally it's not something that emotionally hits you very strongly 
Yeah, and part of that is because, like, I mean, I can attach myself to a person who's detached um, from their surroundings if the if I identify with the the like the journey they're going through. But I feel kind of in this film, like she is so detached, and like we, I guess if if she was just really devout in her like nunish beliefs <laughs> mm-hmm. and. And we could see her desperately trying to hold on to that while mm-hmm. finding about her Jewish heritage. Or if she was, like, distraught by what she's learning about her past. And, like, she's detached from the world as a whole. So no matter how interesting or deep her surrounding becomes or her narrative outside of her investment in it becomes, she's still ultimately one step removed from it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you, you don't have kind of a lens to feel things through in yeah, this movie yeah. like i mean it, it's you know it we always celebrate a film where it doesn't like it's not too on the nose but i almost feel like this film needed more nose yeah <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um so for me it's i would probably err more on the side of pass with the caveat mm-hmm. um just because like i um like i while going through it and not knowing where it was heading, I was pretty on on board with what was going on. And I was kind of like trying to key into this young girl and, and where, where she was going on her journey. Um, but like when her current trajectory literally goes out the window. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel um, like we've used that phrase before. <laughs> I think we have. In recent movies. Oh, it was in it was in uh, the Wes Anderson. Uh, oh, yeah, Grand Budapest. Yeah, Grand Budapest. <laughs> <laughs> and now if that wasn't already a spoiler, <laughs> it's definitely a spoiler now. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, it, it's like I the the bow that's placed on the end of her story is like it, to me, it feels like, oh, I've had this bow in my pocket the whole time. Let's just put this on you. It doesn't feel like, hey, I think we need a bow. Let's go shopping for a bow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's the perfect analogy, but mm-hmm. it it kind of feels like... Now, are you saying B-O-W or B-E-A-U? Because both would kind of uh, both would uh, kind of work. I'm, I was <laughs> B-O-W. Okay, not a boyfriend. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm totally fine with her, like randomly falling into a love interest who plays saxophone really well mm-hmm. i mean that guy's dreamy am i right yeah totally <laughs> especially in in a movie that's otherwise so like quiet and somber then a dude playing saxophone is like a. I mean you mentioned how loud those scenes felt by comparison yeah and i would say they're also just so much more life than the rest of the movie which I, I, is intentional but still like the comparison is very strong <laughs> The, the one thing I think is pretty funny is so the the first time we meet we meet him um the the saxophonist guy uh you know the, the band he plays with is uh you know it's it's not just he doesn't just like play saxophone with his case open for money like this is a guy who's part of a traveling group of of people and the group has a, an attractive female lead singer right so the first time we see the band actually playing um she's just standing in front of the mic. And he's playing the saxophone, and right when she goes to start singing, it just cuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, what is it? Which is fine, because I guess in that moment, she's keying into the saxophonist, and we're supposed to be seeing the film from her eyes. But it's just funny yeah. that, like, <laughs> that, like, it was like, uh, 
in you know in the music video for like Weird Al's the the one Jedi song he sings on the one album um, mm-hmm. back when like the prequels uh, Star Wars movies came out. Yeah, um, yeah. There's a scene in that music video where he's like sitting on a stool and he picks up on an acoustic guitar and he goes to strum it and then he just sets the acoustic guitar down. Um, <laughs> it was it was like sort of that kind of moment. Where, like, and we're you watching. are the only person who has tied this movie into uh, the saga begins or whatever his yeah. American Pie spoof was. Yeah, that's right. The saga begins. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I good times. So, so I've tied this movie to Weird Al and to The Hobbit. Yes. So it's kind of like Weird Al meets The Hobbit, I think, is what <laughs> what Chris is saying. Yeah, in black and white. <laughs> meets uh, Francis Ha. Yeah. Meets Sin City. But uh yeah, I think uh that is the episode then. So mm-hmm. <laughs> Steven, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? If people want to find me, they can go to twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to figure out when the episodes go live, uh, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com. You can leave... Uh, you can use the comment form on our website, or you can leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Um, I just realized that we didn't talk about music in the last episode. Mm-hmm. I forgot that part at the end. But anyways, music for this episode is probably coming from soundtrack to... Hey, at, at the very least, if there's no music, we can just play the trailer again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I'll play the saxophone for you. Yeah. Is that a euphemism? No, no, unfortunately. <laughs> it's not like Polish sausage. Did you say unfortunately? <laughs> unfortunately for you. <laughs> oh, good times. Mm. And on that note, <laughs> mm. I think I'm going to end this episode with some Yanni or some Kenny, Kenny G. <laughs> I, always forget, I always forget which one plays the saxophone. <laughs> well, Kenny G definitely does. Yeah, Kenny G is the one I was going for. Even though it's not technically a, technically a saxophone, right? It's a weird, like, saxonet. Yeah, it's, I think that's just what an alto sax is, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. What I, you think I would know that I took, like, six years of band. But. Yeah, I, I, I don't know read instruments, and I don't know Polish films. <laughs> I, I don't read too good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Zing. Uh, well... We'll be back with a normal episode. Carson will be back joining us. Uh, I don't remember what comes out next week, but there a will be more. Thing, a few things, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, that's right. Is this the week where like we go from having nothing coming out to like 50 things coming out at once? <laughs> yeah, this is the week where we all just use our vacation hours to take a few days to go watch, <laughs> watch movies. Oh, good times. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys all for listening. Thank you, Stephen, for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, we will see you all next week. Later.